Hey, it's Whoop. We're continuing our 25th season of Celebration of the View. On today's episode, Sarah Haynes and Lisa Ling sit down for a conversation about their time on the show. Here's Sarah. I'm such a big fan of Lisa Ling. She joined the show in 1999 and was a co-host for three years. She left in 2002 to pursue her journalism career in the field. Today, we talk about how we both got the job as View co-hosts. I explain why I left the show in 2018 and why I came back. And Lisa reveals the one regret she still has today. Here's our conversation. Okay, let me first start by saying, Lisa, I am so excited that I get to talk to you. I Everyone knows this story, so it's a little redundant. I'm a longtime fan of this show. And I had said, like, my favorite humans were Meredith Vieira and Lisa Ling. And then they're like, we're going to have an interview with Lisa Ling. I was like, wait, what? Oh, like, can we thanks, book that Sarah. and get it in my calendar so you can't take it back? <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I just admire you, one, as a human, but two, your journalism is... It, when we talk about a dying breed of reporting and, and hardcore journalists that go in and take their opinions and emotion, not emotion, because what you do is emotional at times, but you just are so immersive and the stories you tell are so powerful, but you don't, you are so good at not making it about you, which is uh, in this day and age is almost unheard of because that just doesn't happen ever. So um, well, thank you. Thank I you. Just, I appreciate it. It's funny fan. you say that because it's funny you say that because I can watch my shows, but like I'll never listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm am just telling you right now. I you know I I'm sure we'll have a great conversation, but I I don't like to hear myself just talking about whatever. Yeah. But I like watching my shows because they're not about me. I'm kind of like your guide. Yep. The shows are about other people. Um, so so thank you for acknowledging that. I I really appreciate it. Huge fan. Like I mean. Honestly, you. you joined the show in 1999 and you were a co-host for three years. Were you a fan of the show before you got the job? So I had never watched the show before I got the job. I knew wow. Barbara Walters was attached to it. I knew that it was a multi-generational show. But I was working for a show called Channel One News, which was seen in oh, middle I schools and high schools. Oh, I love that when I first saw you in Channel One, yes. <laughs> okay, so you're really young, and uh, I was reporting then. Anderson Cooper was one of my colleagues. We shared an office together, and I was in the field. I mean, I was out of the country every month, and so I just never got an opportunity to see the show. And so an agent called me and said, Barbara Walters show The View is looking for looking to fill the seat of the young co-host. Would you be interested? And quite honestly, Sarah, I had never done live TV in front of an audience before. So I I said yes because Barbara Walters was attached, but I had no idea really what I was getting myself into. And they had already done this exhaustive co-host search. Uh, and reviewed thousands of tapes. They'd already tapes. <laughs> it's kind of it, it, that, well, that's, that that's how us, yeah. <laughs> that's how how long ago it was. Um, they'd already rece- uh, reviewed thousands of tapes, and they had already done live co-host um, auditions on the show. And so my agent sent Bill Getty, the the, the former yep. executive producer, my reel, and we had a, a, a drink together. And the next week, I was auditioning on the view live and it it was it was so surreal because it was unlike anything I'd ever done before. So that's kind of how it happened and I I, I miraculously got the job and had to extricate myself from my entire life and everything that I'd ever known in secret because we didn't want the press to know that I got the job. I had to leave a job that I had been at for seven years move across the country. Um, I put my house on the market. (laughs) And somehow it was a surprise to most people when the day arrived when they announced that the seat had been filled and it was me. (laughs) I think that's probably why you brought so much to the show, though, because in this day and age, even in the news industry, everyone's just jumping chair to chair, table to table. And very rarely do you get someone from the field that you can talk into saying, no, no, you're going to stay right here on set and we're going to make you talk about sometimes uncomfortable things. 
Well, yeah, yeah, and and it's it's incredible how they they were able to kind of keep everything under wraps. But again, here here it's going to age me again. But this was pre social media. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, and so, well, you're a good in to my answer about how I became uh, a, a fan of the show because you're one of the reasons I loved the show. I watched it um, not religiously because I think anyone that was living life as a in school and you know doing things you can't have appointment TV but I the view was one of my top shows that I'd catch and I just loved the idea of the women of different decades coming together talking about important things there was something so empowering about it um, so I'd watched the show for so long that when they asked me, I got I was traveling and I got an email that said uh, they'd like you to, you know, just uh, fill in one day. I had big plans. I was printing that email. I was going to frame it because for years, in fact, my best friend found a quote from me 15 years ago when people ask you, what's the ultimate dream? What do you want to be doing? Funny enough, the reason I know you from uh. Channel One is not because I'm so young. I wanted to work for Channel One. So I knew I was obsessed with that program, the the reporting, the fact that a young person could go and explore how J JFK was shot or the mysteries behind the conspiracy theories. I thought this is like a heady marriage of things you normally have to earn to report on. And they're allowing young people to report for young people. And I was like, this is a dream. So that's why I know you from there. But um, when I heard about this one day filling in on the show, I had been saying, I've watched the show for years, the, the ultimate dream. And I didn't even have the courage to say it was realistic it was literally like oh you just kind of want an idea of the pipe dream the pipe dream would be a show like the view where you get to talk about really important things with other women that maybe feel differently from you so that email i still have that email asking me for that one day and that's all i ever planned i i didn't think that there'd be more and that was enough <laughs> so yeah, here yeah. we are <laughs> and actually that's the that's the perfect kind of scenario one day a week <laughs> Because you can still you can still be reporting, you can still be in the field, yes. But yet you have this incredible platform, right, to be able to talk about what's happening in the country and around the world. And we all know uh, what uh, what an impact the view has had in recent years. Yes, in, in in political discourse, right. Now, one question I have for you, and I know the answer to this because I remember. But do you remember your first day on the show? Oh God! Of course I do. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was. Uh, I don't. I I think the word horrifying is probably too strong a word, but I mean, it was I think it's terrifying. about right. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was absolutely terrifying because um, there was all this pomp and ceremony around it, and Barbara was there, and oh. uh, Meredith, and Star, and Joy, and before they got into anything about me, Meredith. Asked me, she said, "You know what? What the, what the country really, really wants to know." And keep in mind, I had just been reporting on the refugee crisis in Kosovo when I when I found out that I got the job. And Meredith asks me on live TV on my first day with every every member of my family, my 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 conservative Chinese I'm family, getting uncomfortable watching. right now. Okay. <laughs> I've been to some very contentious parts of the world, like Afghanistan and Algeria and Colombia. So why? Um, it sounds. No, crazy. I have a better question. Are you a virgin? We have to get to what matters. <laughs> then we'll get to the. First, let's get to what's important for the view. You know, I'd rather go to Kosovo at this point than, than answer, answer that question. question. <laughs> I was, you know, I think I was 25, 20, 25 or twenty-six years old at the time, and you know, Asian people. We're not the most communicative about our lives. And I certainly hadn't had those discussions with my mother or father at that time. And so yep. because I knew that my conservative, uh, not politically conservative, but just, you know, conservative uh, Chinese dad was watching, I was like, uh, yeah. Of course I am. <laughs> because I, I didn't want to break the news on national TV that I, um, you know, was, was, was a big girl and had done big, big girl things. And it's really funny. And in some ways, Sarah, when I think about it, that sort of foreshadowed my time at The View because 
you know, I'd gotten pretty good at reporting on other people's stories and being out in the world and, and reporting on war zones and conflict zones and stories about globalization. But when it, when it came to talking about myself, when it came to even sharing opinions, expressing emotion, um, especially on a national show, it was really challenging. And I got myself into therapy pretty soon after. Yep, yep. Therapy will get her done. Yes, and I and I tried to figure out why it was so difficult for me to talk so openly about these personal things, and it, you know, of course, that those therapy sessions like took me back to 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 you know my my Asian upbringing. But the key to being successful on the View is being open, really sharing, removing that 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 wall, right? And because that is what <clears throat> allows you to connect with the audience. And, you know, that that can sometimes get people into trouble. I mean, I, I have so much respect for View co-hosts because View co-hosts don't do what, what, what people who are on Meet the Press do. They not only espouse their political opinions, but they talk about themselves very intimately and share, uh, you know, the most personal aspects of their, their lives. And... And you really put yourself out there. And very few shows, I mean, increasingly there are more and more now, but The View is such a pioneer show in that it allowed women of different generations to just speak openly. Um, And and, and sometimes the audience didn't like what they heard. (laughs) But nevertheless, it was so, you know, to be a co-host on The View, you have to have so much courage Mm -hmm. um, and you have to be willing to take a lot of hits and 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 sometimes you know and that's really hard and it was really really hard for me well one thing that resonates with me is i think it's also our generation and how our parents raised us i I can't relate to the asian culture and how that specifically played out in your house but i know my parents were similar now they were conservative in politics (laughs) so in politics (laughs) uh we were told sex don't have it like it's you know a sin and you know you will have it one day when you're married I always joke that I still think my dad thinks I had sex three times because I have three children and that's all (laughs) I'm comfortable with him not that's all you need that's all I need um so I think the whole generation of as a parent you may relate to this I'm uh leaning into against my own upbringing and that's how you often model how you parent you take some your parents did well and you say i'm going to do this differently things have just changed so much and i and i i was so young at the time even though i had traveled the world even though i'd had this this journalism career that 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 you know spanned 7 years and and you know on multiple continents i still was very uh, sheltered um and I also was taught that you have to be respectful of your elders. Yeah. And so you know, another thing that's imperative on the view is you have to you have to fight for um, for for space. You have to fight for time. You have to fight to get a word in right. edgewise. And when you're sitting alongside Barbara Walters and and Star Jones and Joy Behar and Meredith Vieira, that was also <laughs> that was also. Pretty mortifying to have to do because culturally, I would always wait until they said their piece and then I would offer my my thoughts or my insights. But it was literally a fight every day just to to, to express an opinion. And And I got better. I mean, honestly, Sarah, I wouldn't be able to do what I do now had I not had those three years at The View. And now, 15, 15 years later... I, I would I I think you know with the, with the with the life experience that that I've had um I'm a different person now and I know that if I if I were a regular on the view now it it would be very different I would be so much more unabashed yeah. and uninhibited and say whatever I wanted to say and I, I and I wouldn't feel like it was a fight to get yeah. in uh get a word in edgewise it would just it would just be in the course of of conversation so you know to that extent I do think it's it's a that young co-host seat is a really, really challenging one. And I have so much sympathy for the people who, who occupied that seat after me, for Elizabeth Hasselbeck, for Megan McCain. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it hurts me, even though they are politically, they couldn't be politically more different from me. 
I have so much compassion when I would see these really ugly fights happen and when they were demeaned uh, and when they were villainized in some ways because it wasn't just that they were being villainized on the show, but they would be villainized in the press. And I just, you know, especially in this cancel culture, I just think not only is it incredibly brave of of all of the co-hosts, but specifically the the, the young co-host. Um, but it could be, you know, it could it could affect your life and your career in perpetuity. Yep. And I don't know that people really understand that risk. And so it hurts me when I when I when I read or hear criticism of anyone on the View, but particularly the person who who occupies the young co-host seat. I totally understand the trying to get in when you're sitting at that table. I remember the first day I came here, Bill Getty um, pulled me out of my room, my dressing room. And I remember my brother was with me because I was petrified and he's like my security blanket. And Bill walks me out and he points up at this bill of rights of the show. And he says to me today, you're 25% of this table. There were four people there that day. And he's like, I want to hear from you 25% of the time. So I spent the whole first time like doing math in my head. Like how many times have I spoken up? Did I hit my 25% yet? Like I was really nervous. And the second part of that is I remember right before we walked out on set that first day, um, it was Whoopi, uh, Jenny McCarthy, Sherry Shepard, and myself. And Sherry turns around really quickly and she says, it can be really tough to get in at this table, but if you want to talk, just tap me under the table to let me know because I'm on my way out of here and you're on your way in. And I remember just stopping in my tracks and being hit by two things. One, I have such a reverence for all the women that have come before. I'm a huge fan of Sherry Shepard. I was not going to be tapping her on her knee to tell her to shut up anytime soon. That still stands today, years later. Uh, But two, the, the... graciousness of sherry to have said that you know this business is cutthroat in general then you put a bunch of people at a table trying to to talk and it's like a family dinner where someone's going to bite your hand off if you speak up so to have her tell me that so generously and not she didn't know me from adam that's just her heart and i just thought it was so beautiful that just made me emotional that just made me emotional to hear that's so characteristic of sherry she just she just she oozes uh, thoughtfulness and generosity and kindness. And it doesn't surprise me that she would have done that, but it really touches me to hear that that she she did that. And, you know, I, I, it, 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 you can attest to this. I mean, it really is a fight out there. And, you know, I, and I, I feel in some ways really grateful that I wasn't on the show in this age of social media because the worst that happened to me was that, you know, it was written up in page six, <laughs> Now it goes viral and everyone has an opinion about it and can express it openly and destroy you and demean you and harass you and bully you. And my God, I just I cannot even imagine what that's like. I really can't. So you mentioned Barbara before. Um, Do you have memories of working with Barbara Walters and, and, and what did you learn from her? I learned so much. I mean, people over the years have have said things about Barbara. People, co- former co-hosts on The View have said things about Barbara and how, how challenging it was to work with and for her. And yes, she could be challenging sometimes. And yes, she could be hard on us sometimes. But the reverence that I had and still have for her and the respect that I had and still have for her is limitless. And I remember Barbara took me to lunch pretty early on in my in my view tenure, my view <laughs> experience. And I mean, I, I I had sat down for maybe 10 minutes and I had just like divulged my whole life to her. It was just the way she looked at me. She had this way. And the thing that I will always appreciate, I mean, there were definitely moments where she sort of looked at me at this as this, you know, 20-something young girl that, yes, I, I'd covered a lot of stories in the world, but I was still, you know, a, a, a young girl to her. And I was always, I was pretty ambitious, so I was always seeking wisdom from her about her career and how she got those interviews and, and how she conducted herself um, when she was sitting opposite Fidel Castro and Henry, Henry Kissinger and so on. But inevitably, whenever I did have time with Barbara, she was emphatic about saying to me, 
whatever you do, don't neglect your personal life. Yes. And that frustrated me at the time because all I wanted to know was how she how she how she got to where she got and and I yeah. wanted career advice but she was just always she always made it a point. And now when I think back on those moments, I I just am so grateful to her because I know what she sacrificed. I know how hard it was um, to have a personal life but also fight those battles in a misogynistic, like a grossly mm-hmm. misogynistic culture. And now that I have my two kids, there's nothing in the world more important than my personal life and my children. Yes. And so I will always be so grateful to her for being so emphatic about that. And and yet she invited me to a couple of her dinners. So So here I was at 25, 26 years old, sitting with Richard Holbrook, former United States ambassador and 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 one of the greatest American diplomats who ever lived, Vernon Jordan, Liz Smith from the Daily Daily News. So she even though she often kind of was she could she could be dismissive of me as as a young person, she invited me to some of those dinners and was really she she was hugely hugely impactful. And so I become incredibly defensive of her when anyone ever says anything um, rude or or insulting, because that woman paved the way for all of us. And I will never forget that. It's so amazing coming from Barbara Walters, because you were young and you wanted the career advice. And meanwhile, she's dropping like a wisdom nugget on you that was so profound coming from her, which is while you're looking over here and everything's great and busy, never forget the most important part. And absolutely. I think it just it, it speaks to that the wisdom of her own life, her own career and what she was sharing with you as the most important thing. Absolutely. And how how lucky that I was the beneficiary of that 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 crucial life advice. I will always value that. And I, and I tell you something Sarah, it was worth every kick that I got under the table. <laughs> Did somebody really because, kick you? Was Barbara kicking oh you? Oh God, really yes! Get... Oh my God, I got I got pinched under the table. I got kicked under the table, <laughs> and 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 every time it happened, I never got offended by it, you know, because I just listen. She earned that. Yeah, she earned those kicks under the table. She really did. And the and her life experience, um, you know, I, I just there there have been so few women within my lifetime. Who have, 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 you know, pushed the envelope? Who've been so pioneering? Who have accomplished as much um, as Barbara Walters? And I, it really has been, you know, one of the greatest honors of my life to have been to to sit alongside Barbara Walters and to have been kicked under the table by Barbara Walters. <laughs> so often people ask me when I got this job, like, so what's Barbara Walters like? Did you talk to her before you got the job? I literally had one interaction with her. I just come to ABC and I was working as a, a correspondent, mainly on Good Morning America. And I'm walking into like someone's retirement party and I see her walking out and I thought, don't miss this opportunity. That's the Barbara Walters. So I kind of walked over and there were people hovering. I didn't even have anything planned to say, which becomes apparent in about one second. And I was like, hi, I'm Sarah <laughs> or something like, and she goes, hello <laughs> and just looks at me <laughs> I was like, and I thought do I move on do I say something really exciting and smart like but she probably looked you in the eyes when she did it that that that's the thing about Barbara so yeah. where are the hors d'oeuvres like I didn't know what to say and it was like very obvious to everyone looking back at me because she was standing there with people that were kind of handling her and I'm like <laughs> and then moved right along so well and a, a, I hope she doesn't remember it actually <laughs> <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash view. Just go to Indeed.com slash view right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash view. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Quick, what's something that works so well it's basically magic? Air conditioning? Noise-canceling headphones? Those little vacuums that scoot around doing all the work for you? What about selling with Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind millions of businesses of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash view, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash view now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash view. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Lisa, in this free-form platform that we had, we often can say things without thinking or... Yes. Did you, you know, did you ever say anything on the show that you regret? Oh, yeah. So when you're on, when you're a co-host on The View, your job, the objective, and you can attest to this, is to generate a reaction from the audience, to get applause, to get a laugh, to you know to 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 somehow wake that audience up and again this was a struggle for me because i'd never done it before i wasn't a comedian uh, i had no background in that and and i had never really performed um in front of an audience before all of my work was in the field and so um this was the do it during the the monica lewinsky era <laughs> and i had run into monica lewinsky uh, at an event the night before, and she was doing a college tour um, where she was going to universities and, and giving talks um, about her experience. And she mentioned to me socially that she was disappointed that the questions being asked of her at universities weren't more intellectual. And so I went on the air the next day, kind of armed with this material, right? And um, I can't remember which co-host asked me about my night last night. And I said, oh, yeah, I ran into Monica Lewinsky last night. And we were talking about her college tour. And she said that she was disappointed that uh, the questions being asked of her weren't more intellectual. I don't know what's intellectual about being on your knees. Oh. And the crowd erupted. The audience went nuts. Everyone was laughing. It was, in fact, probably the biggest reaction that I'd ever gotten at my at the view and my heart sunk Sarah oh. because 
it was so not me to say something like that about someone who had kind of confided in me about something personal that she had experienced. And despite the uproarious laughter and applause, I just, I felt deflated and sad and hurt. I just, I felt so, so bad because I just, you know, that's not how my parents raised me to, to just go for the jugular and go for the laugh. This is why I couldn't be a comedian. (laughs) Um, It was, it was, it it was a horrible, horrible moment um, where I sacrificed my, my own um, character, right, for that laugh. And I, years later, actually very soon after, I profusely apologized to Monica and years later had an opportunity to interact with her even more. And in her, I mean, Monica is just, she is also just so gracious um, and forgiving. And she, she understood. I mean, she, she, she wasn't afraid to tell me how hurt she was after that. But she forgave me. And I, you know, when I just think about all the things that she has gone through. This story actually kind of highlights the lens of the world right now. There are so many people that will kind of sell their soul for that laugh and never look back. They'll take the laugh and run with it as the currency of their worth. And I think that the fact that you knew instantly it didn't feel right and you, you, it, that those shoes didn't fit for you and you didn't like how that made you feel, that's kind of the growth of of wisdom of time of maturity and I respect that it's one of the reasons I'm such a fan of yours is it's not about being perfect it's knowing what to do when you make a mistake and yeah this example to me is such a teaching moment for people that are trying to find out who they are in the world and you can't take it back you can't take it back once it's out there it's out there for 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 everyone to 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 retreat, to report, to, you know, it just, it percolates and it's out there in the ether and it's, and there's no, you can apologize, right? And I did apologize publicly, but it's still out there. So I had a, a kind of similar story in regards to Taylor Swift. So I'd watched the documentary and hearing her describe so much of what was going on with her life behind the scenes, things we never would have been privy to. It made me recognize that I was part of kind of a media problem with her. I had made jokes before about how many boyfriends she'd had or, you know, writing a song about them. Now, in my defense, they actually were all innocently motivated. I wasn't going for a laugh. I was kind of thinking, go you. Like, if you can go through a catalog of boyfriends, I didn't have that kind of power. I didn't, they weren't lining up for me, but I also (laughs) couldn't write a song and sell it. Like, you, you know, your, her life was so what we'd normally see men go through, Taylor was owning it. So I kind of saw it as a more girl power, but I realized now it didn't feel that way for her. And seeing that in the documentary really upset me. And I ended up, in fact, there's even a clip in the documentary from The View. And I realized that I had been part of that conversation. But I um, private messaged her private messaged her on Instagram and kind of uh, communicated, you know, what I had done, what I saw in the documentary, and that I hoped I was a part of the stronger narrative from that point on in defending what someone might feel like in those moments. And I didn't hear back from her, no surprise, it is Taylor Swift. But um, I needed to tell her that, like I needed to let her know that I was sorry. Yeah. Now you did some crazy things on the show. Did you get your belly button pierced? I did, I did. Well, if it's Friday, it must be navel piercing day at The View, and I hope you know what you're getting yourself into, Lisa. Go, Take Lisa. a deep breath in. Go, go let it here and let it out. Uh, there you go, you're there done. you go. Sweet, it's done, it's done, it's done. You know, I think uh, I had wanted to do it for a while, but again, it was it was one of those things. I, I had had such a career uh, in the field for Channel One, and here I am on the show where I'm, I'm, I'm. My job is to fill, fulfill the 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 young co-host role, and 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 everything that came along with that. And it was kind of interesting from going from you know covering the civil war in Afghanistan to being like the teeny bop expert who's dancing with NSYNC and and Britney. Not that I had an issue with that; I actually loved it. <laughs> um, I loved having Justin Timberlake's arms around my waist. And <laughs> anyway, um, 
But uh, yeah, so so I I did it on national television, um, and my God, that like horrifying look that I had is still kind of ingrained in my my mind. But yeah, I mean the things that I I did on the View. It's funny, Sarah, because you know as you said, it it really wasn't that long ago, but it, it really does seem like another lifetime ago. And when I watch the show, I sometimes just think to myself, who 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 was that person? Is, was that me? First of all. I was so made up. I mean, I don't even, I hate wearing makeup. <laughs> I hate wearing makeup too. The first thing I do, I did after I finished the show every day was I, I removed those layers of makeup. But it's just, it's interesting to look back at who that person was. And when I think back on her, you know, she she was having a really good time. She was She was out of her league. She was trying so hard to... Um, do the best job I could and to be the most relatable co-host I could. But she was definitely, she was definitely uncomfortable and, 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 out of, and, and felt out of place. I, I have so much sympathy for my predecessor, Debbie Matinopoulos, because, oh my God, the poor girl had no real TV experience. I think she was like an intern at MTV and got that job. And she and I joke about it now today because, you know, when we go back and co-host, we just, again, we're unabashed. And Debbie is, she's so smart. She's so hilarious. But, I mean, her, she, she, she didn't have much life experience um, or even professional experience. So for her to have been sitting alongside Barbara Walters and Meredith Vieira um, and people who have had lengthy careers and been on television for a long time, it was just it, it was really unfair in so many ways. And, you know, Debbie, Debbie didn't last very long, but I, I have so much respect for for the fact that she and again, it was so publicized, too, that she was getting kicked off the show and, you know, put Debbie on today and you're you're going you're gonna to get something completely different because she's had more life experience. And I just I adore her. And. My God, you know, the first time I met Debbie Metnopoulos, she's like, ah, you're the reason I lost my job at the View. <laughs> she was just, she's so, she's so irreverent and also so gracious and lovely, lovely. But again, that that role, the young co-host role is just, it, it, there's kind of no winning with it. So you decided to leave the show in 2002. Why? I think it was a mutual decision. Um, I I had always wanted to get back to the field. And in fact, I had started talking to National Ge- Geographic before I had definitively decided to leave the show. Um, and to be honest with you, three years was actually a long time for me. <laughs> from the first day on the show, I remember thinking to myself, this is fun. This is going to be a challenge. I want to learn as much as I can. But I can't see myself in my 20s doing this for that long because my heart was always in the field. And so, um, I mean, that was really the reason after September 11th happened, um, after having that experience with Monica Lewinsky, um, I, I had a conversation with Bill and Barbara and they really, you know, we had a discussion about how hard this was for me <laughs> um, and and I, it, I told them that I was talking to National Geographic um, and that that seemed more, more well-suited for me. And they, they it, it was sort of like this mutual, like, you know, this has been great. You've, you've worked really hard. You've done a great job, but we get it. And that's kind of, um, that's what happened. Yeah. I have an announcement to take, to make. You can see I'm a little nervous about it. <laughs> Um, three years ago, when after a long search, we were fortunate enough to have Lisa join us, Bill and I said, you know, you should stay with us about three years. We know you want to be a reporter, and then you should think about spreading your wings. And unfortunately, she took our advice. <laughs> She's spreading them. I'm spreading. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to be leaving The View, and it's actually kind of bittersweet for me because I have to tell you that I have had the most unbelievable three years working with the most incredible women who 
have become such incredible friends to me. Even though we um, never let you get a word in which one? <laughs> Even though I monopolize the conversation and I'm the funniest one here. No. Um. But then I would say I feel like it's clipping your wings to have kept you as long as they did, if even longer, because there are so few people that can do what you did in the, like those stories in the what your career, it, it's so, my fandom, I, I felt lucky when you were at The View, but really my fandom is your field journalism work. That's the, I've, I've just never seen anyone do it quite like you. In the world, there's probably a handful for me in my experience in watching. So um, I think that like I would have been, I'm supportive of the fact that you returned to where your heart was because you can see that heart in all of your work. And I, I'm the recipient of those benefits. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that, Sarah. And, and I honestly, I, I would not have been able to sit alongside Oprah Winfrey when I became her field correspondent had I not spent time at The View. The View, even though it was kind of a tangent in my career because it was so different from what I was doing and what I ultimately wanted to do. I really, I learned so much and I, I, in some ways I found my voice and it, it forced me to become more forceful. Um, and I will always be so grateful for, for those three years at the view, even though I was out of place and, and never felt like I, uh, you know, I, I totally belonged. I, I was sort of out of my league. Um, it was instrumental in helping me to get to where I am today. Um, and I, you know, one of the greatest, one of the most powerful moments for me was years and years after I had left The View, I got an email from Barbara. Um, and it was a really short one. It just said, Dearest Lisa, I'm watching you and I'm proud of you. And, um, yeah, it was, it was just really, it was such an incredible validation because I didn't know that she kind of saw my journalism career before, but that she was watching and that she acknowledged, um, the things that I had done since leaving the view. And again, that's why I will, I will always just have such incredible reverence for, for her. And, and that just really, that meant so much to me. And I... I look back on my years the view and I don't really recognize the the, the person <laughs> that I that I was at the time but it it played a huge huge role in who I've become and the career that I now have. Well, so many of gifts in life in general I think come from the no's as well as the yeses. Like when you find yourself in a situation where you say this isn't for me, that's just as guiding sometimes if not more than the green lights and the yeses. And interestingly, uh, I had uh, come into TV, I had always wanted to do more comedic acting, like sketch, not not, not stand-up. That's a uh, That gives me <laughs> chills. But uh, like sketch comedy, SNL type things. And I ended up working for the Today Show, and I was trying to get on Channel One at the time. And but I realized I I, I didn't study journalism. I, I was around people like Matt Lauer, Katie Couric, Ann Curry, all these amazing journalists that I thought, oh, I feel such imposter syndrome, and and rightly so. I'm not a news person, but the landscape changed, and Kathy Lee and Hoda came on, and they had said, "Come play with us," because their show was much lighter, and I ended up there. And then I got, I came over to ABC News, and again, I was among journalists. They were having me do correspondent work, and I thought, this doesn't feel right. Like, this isn't where my heart is. Like, I, I'm one of the people running away from big things because I'm crying, and journalists are running in, like first responders. Yeah. I'm not that person, and I know that. Right. Then I got an opportunity to, I left The View in, in 2018 because I got an opportunity to do a talk show with Michael Strahan, and I, the only other dream I'd ever mentioned beyond The View was a, a a kind of morning, kind of like Kathy Lee and Hoda meets uh, Kelly and Michael or Kelly and Ryan or Regis and Kelly. And I thought if, if there was a hybrid there, that's kind of where I feel comfortable. And what I also realized as that show floundered to find its feet was I missed some of the more important conversations I was having at The View. It was almost like that show that I dreamt of for so long didn't have quite enough meat for me. And so I, I don't know where that takes me eventually, but those no's, the news division, and then a talk show that was a lot of fluff without much direction keeps me coming back here where I find a bit of a marriage of... of well, it's it's become such a great combination of all of those things. I mean, I have 
um, been a guest and been a guest co-host on some. Please of the come other back. Shows. Please come back. I need to sit at the table <laughs> with you, Lisa. Please. <laughs> well, we should definitely do something at some point. But um, you know, I I have I've sat at the desk at some other shows, and it's just it's so just like I mean, respectfully. Yes, yes, <laughs> but I understand. But the view um, has become a real force. Um, it's an important outlet. And it's smart. It can be irreverent. It can be silly. It can be funny. But it's, it's, it's smart, and it is comprised of smart women expressing their, their feelings and their opinions um, about things that are happening in this country and in the world. And, you know, I, I, I wish that, that Lisa in her 20s could almost be at the table today because I think I could have brought some brought actually some of my reporting to the table, although yes. I probably wouldn't have been able to sell it uh, in my 20s at, still at, because, again, it's it's that it's that fight. But um, I, there, there's something to be said for, for lived experience. Yeah. And when you're in your 20s and you are seated next to people who really have had far more lived experience, it's a struggle. And I and I and I think that you know, I, I, I would love to see The View be a little more protective of that. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I think that's really important. You know, we have to think about what things are going to be like for our co-hosts in the future. You know, how their families are going to be yeah. impacted. Um, because times are different now. Yep. And, and, and it's gotten so much uglier. And information travels far too quickly so we have to be protective and stand up for our people yeah absolutely really important I also think that the opportunity at the table when I think of the things it offers you is you're you're married and you understand the most intimate relationships in your life the 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 easy part is when you agree the hard part is when you disagree and I think to sit at a table that pays you to speak up like tell us what you're thinking what you're feeling we want to hear from you but now make a case for it or at least show compassion, empathy and respect for the fact that a lot of people don't agree with you at any one moment on any topic. And I think it gives you a daily opportunity to lead by that example with what you say, what you do on and off air, because I always pride myself on uh, at the end of our lives, we have to put our own heads on our own pillows by ourselves and be accountable for what we did and what we said and who we were. And even though I can't uh, control what everyone else is doing and saying, I stop and I say, the only part I have control of is my part. And as long as I do that, holding myself accountable, raising that bar when it comes to something I don't feel comfortable saying for a laugh or doing something else, then I've done my part to the legacy of this show. So Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, I, I I totally agree with that, but it, you know, in those sort of split seconds, it's sometimes challenging. But right? that's where you save each other, because to me, you're always yes, going to yes. do it. You're always going to say. I mean, I've said multiple things. There was even a time where I I'm very open about being in therapy. My husband and I have been in therapy. I had just had my first baby and was really struggling with breastfeeding. And I remember I called my husband. And I had different opinions on the pressures of a new mom and. I called him and I said, Max, um, usually we do, I don't bring things to work that we haven't resolved because I think that's dangerous and raw. We're working through this. So normally I'd say it's a, a non sequitur, but I'm super emotional and I'm looking at this as an opportunity to say there have to be other women that are dealing with this behind closed doors because if it is sacred and you keep your marriage sacred, we're not talking about it. It's also a mother issue, which a lot of moms have guilt, myself included, that yeah. I wasn't doing something I was built to do. And so I said, there's a real opportunity here. And he said, just represent me properly because when I repeat his voice, he's like, <laughs> I don't sound like that. But <laughs> Uh, so I said, right, right, I will, right. I will honor you and respect you with this story, but I will also disagree with you as, a, as we have behind closed doors. And I got two sides of that. I had, I had a lot of people that came out and whether they were the husband or the wife saying, I we're dealing with that. Some people trolled me like you sold your husband out. I, they didn't understand that I had already done the, the housework on that one. But, um, it was a it was a tough opportunity. I think you you have to protect each other because sometimes you're veering into a point of view that's not in vogue in the moment, 
And you have to defend your colleagues, your co-hosts, your fellow women at that table. And that's how I was raised. There's a certain loyalty to that. And so I understand exactly what you're saying. When you take that step out of bounds, whoever set the bounds, you, yourself, or someone else, you have to protect it with the sanctity in which you arrived at it. You know, I I, I think there's a responsibility there. Agree. And I, and I, I, I haven't been at the show for a long time, so I don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Um, but I do hope that that is happening, that there is a, um, you know, an awareness and there are attempts, right, to be protective of the co-hosts, the co-host reputations, the co-host families. Yeah. And that there's communication um, about it. Because when I was on the show, we didn't really communicate about those things. We just sort of showed up. Yeah. You know, we had a meeting and it was sort of like, okay, just go. Um, but I think that there are preemptive things that you can be doing to, you know, not get yourself in a situation where it just gets so ugly yep. and, 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 and someone's personal um, or someone's name gets maligned. Right. Agreed. So... But Lisa, thank you so much. It was it was an honor and a and a privilege to get to have this time alone with you. I know you're very busy, and for you to take the time, I know you it's for the show. But to be the lucky recipient of your time, I, I thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Sarah. And it's been really awesome to watch you evolve on the show too. And and you do such a great job, and you bring so much heart and intelligence. To the show and 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 they are so lucky to have you so thank you for having me that's gonna make me cry lisa let's leave on a tearjerker because that means the world coming from someone i admire so much so thank you next week on behind the table i talked to my friend and former co-host nicole wallace i got the best advice from barbara walters when i got fired she offered to call anyone in the business for me anyone and, and advocate for me and then she gave me this advice she said do your best work And it just became a mantra. And there's so much more next week. Behind the Table is produced by Nathan Getty and Summer Shake. Executive produced by Brian Tedda. Booking was overseen by Todd Polks. The executive producer of ABC Audio is Liz Alessi. Special thanks to Josh Cohan, Brenda Salinas Baker, Trevor Hastings, David Toledo, Elizabeth Russo, Lori Hogan, Stacia Deshishku, Molly Kessler, and Ashley Havens. The Girlfriend is a free weekly e-newsletter from AARP built on the belief that girlfriend power is everything. It offers stories for Gen X women related to sex, health, beauty, travel, and money. Whether it's a shoulder to cry on or help navigating the next phase of your life, visit thegirlfriend.com to subscribe. You can also join the Girlfriend Book Club, a closed Facebook group that hosts live author interviews and free book giveaways. Again, it's thegirlfriend.com because everybody needs a girlfriend.